If you look at the sermon title, you may think, well, that's an interesting Mother's Day message. Uh, had at least one person already comment about that. But, um, the, um, you know, as we um, enter into today, uh, really this message is not a Mother's Day message. I kind of alternate year from year, whether I do a specific Mother's Day message or uh, we just take time during the service to say thank you to the women in our lives. But I do want to just say, you know, this this idea of uh, taming the tongue in our words and sometimes getting tripped up in our words, it does remind me of my mom, not in a negative way. Uh, if anything, I'll explain, you know, my mom... Uh, as kids, and, and kids, if you're listening, um, be cautious of the things you make fun of your parents about because it'll probably come back to haunt you. That's my experience. Uh, I used to give my mom a hard time for her mixing up her words. I mean, she would go through the whole list of naming instead of me. She'd go through the whole list of my sisters, sometimes include the pets' names and trying to call the right person into the into the room. Um, and other times we'd just mix up her words and stuff and uh, I have definitely experienced that myself now as an adult. Uh, I think it's just, it's payback. Um, not that my mother, I think, prayed for that or wished that on, well, she may have wished that on me at times, but the, uh, but you know, I, the reality is it, that well, that's a memory that I have of my mom, uh, just looking back and, um, and I think I'm grateful for the fact that's not the only memory I have of my mom and, and I'm excited to be able to spend some time with her today because of just the, uh, the many things that she has done to honor, to to really invest in me and my siblings, and uh, as well as many others. I know I have a lot of nieces and nephews that think a lot of my parents as well in the way that they've encouraged, been an encouragement over the years. Uh, but you know, I, if if you're there and you're thinking about those, that idea of mixing up your words, that relates well to the text we're looking at today. Today in James three, uh, if you're on target with the schedule with Mission One Nineteen, you should have been in James this week. Uh, if not, you're if you're a week or two behind, you'll be getting into James soon. Uh, James covers a lot of different things, and and so uh, I wrestled with like what text to pick uh, out of the book of James since I only had one week uh, to really look at it, uh, and and this one seemed to just jump out to me as something that would be relevant. Uh, in today's world, and especially with the divisiveness that we see in today's world, uh, that we need to be people who who understand the importance of taming our tongue, taming our social media posts, which is James wouldn't have had any idea of what that was like uh, back in, in his day that these words were written, but a lot of the same principles apply. Something small has great impact on how we impact and relate to other people. Uh, but, you know, when I think about our words, the reality is we know our words can bless and they can curse. Our words can build someone up. They can tear someone down. And and we know that from a very real way. We know that on a personal level, both in what we've experienced and received. We've experienced the joy of having someone bless us with their words, encourage us with their words, and build us up with their words, but we've also experienced the heartache of having people that tear us down with their words. Uh, and, and many of us, most of us, I, I think statistically would say most of us carry at least one or two significant wounds in our life when someone that we loved and we cared for spoke words that hurt us. And, and I, I'm aware of the fact that sometimes Father's Days, Mother's Days are difficult because some of you didn't have the best relationship with mom and dad. 
and maybe God provided some other men or women in your life that, that were the more positive influence. Uh, the reality is our words can cause great damage and our words can have a significant impact in building someone else up. And, and that's really, uh, when we look at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, we see James unpack this. And so we're going to read, we're going to read the entire section. Um, but before we do that, I, I think it's interesting if you look, when you're reading and studying scripture, it's always look to see, look at the, the context of what you're reading in the whole. And, and James actually has already addressed the issue of the tongue on two different occasions before he gets to chapter 3. Uh, James 1.19, he says this, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Being slow to speak and slow to anger, we quick to hear. You know, that's, that's, that's a gift. If, if you're with someone, you ever experienced that, where you're with someone that listens well, and, and you want to spend time with them, because especially if you're going through something, you, that's the person you want to talk to, not the person that doesn't let you get a word in edgewise or who's quick to respond. They're, they're just listening, and they're comforting, and they're, they're letting you talk. You know, we, if, if you're here and you, and you think that sometimes your mouth has gotten you in, into trouble or maybe consistently getting you into trouble, verse 26 would be a good one to memorize. Uh, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. In verse 26 of chapter 1, James says this. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but re- deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now, let me pause. We often in our tradition will talk about the fact that God calls us to a relationship, not religion. James uses the term in a positive sense throughout the book of James. He's using religion that is pure, that is undefiled. He's giving us a picture of what, uh, what true religion should look like. And, and in this account, he's saying, look, if, you're, if, you're gen- if your faith is genuine, if your religion is genuine and undefiled, one of the things that we have to be thinking about is the use of our tongue. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. If you haven't read James, get into James. James pulls no punches. <laughs> he's, I mean, he doesn't say it's not a good thing. He, he says it's worthless. If we're not cautious about the things that proceed out of our mouth, this all is good, I think, to keep us in mind. Keep in mind as we jump into chapter three that James has already addressed this issue, and and so when you look at the book of James as a whole, James is very clearly focusing on the fact that our faith, if our faith is genuine, is going to show itself in our behavior and our works. And he spends a lot of time in the previous chapter talking about that, but it's also going to show in our words, the things that flow out of our hearts, out of our mouth, and in our actions will show whether our faith is genuine. And so with that in mind, let's jump into chapter 3 of James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. Just a pause for a second. That chapter, verse 1, some translations and some commentaries split verse 1 from verses 2 through 12 because it it's a, makes a statement. Really, the only connection is the idea teachers use their mouth. They, they speak. Um, but there's a, there's a clear shift here in verses 1 and verses 2 where, where 
there's a challenge given to teachers to say, you know, only you shouldn't be really a stri- a striving to teach because teachers are going to be judged with greater strictness. And, and, and James includes himself. There's a we in verse 1 that James includes himself in that group that will be judged more strictly. But in verse 2, there's a shift, and, and James uses the we again to not talk about we as in the specific group of teachers, but we as in all of us. He says in verse 2, for we all stumble. We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So he's, he makes this statement about teaching, and then he, he uses that to unpack this issue of the importance of taming the tongue and being aware of, of what comes out of our mouth, what proceeds from our mouth. Verse 2 again, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brother, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You know, there's an interesting, interesting that in verse 2, that statement where, where James is including, using that other we. He's, he's talked in verse 1 about we, and he including himself as a teacher. But now in verses 2 through 12, he's talking about we as in all of us. And, and he makes a statement that we all stumble in what? We all stumble. We all fall in many ways. And then he goes on to specifically say that we stumble in our speech. Every, every one of us. And he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the, his whole body. That, that idea of, of it, to me, when I hear that, it, it gives me some comfort to know I'm not alone. Uh, if if We've all had those moments where we have said something that we know has hurt someone, and, and, and often that's even someone that we care deeply about, and, and we have to address those things, and we have to be aware of what's coming out of our mouth, and, and that's really central to James and his focus here, is that in the same way in James 2, he's focusing on how we need to look at our works and our behavior, that genuine faith is going to produce change in our lives. Genuine faith is also going to impact our words and the things that we say. But, but he starts this whole conversation in saying, we all stumble. And, and it's the perfect man who is able 
to be bridle his tongue and, and, and to bridle his whole body. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Later, it actually says, I think it's in verse 8, that while, you, while birds, uh, all these creatures can be tamed, the tongue can't be tamed. So it's interesting because the general gist of this entire section is calling us to be aware of what comes out of our mouth and the importance of taming our tongue. And yet he's, he's lifted it up as a very high bar to say, even if a man does this and, and is able to fully tame his tongue, he is perfect. And, and so what we see here is what we see throughout Scripture. Is this call to perfection? Is a call to something that we will never achieve in this lifetime? Whether it's moral purity, whether it's in what we say, we're, no matter how hard we try to tame our tongue, you're going you're gonna to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to fall short. But the more we grow and the more we seek to be perfect, and the word could actually, in some translations, actually transfers, or translates it as maturity. In the Christian life, we strive for perfection, which is striving for maturity, that we actually can look back in our life and see in our behavior, in our words, in our lifestyle, change. That God is producing change in us, and we strive towards the perfection. The only one that, that was perfect that walked this earth is Jesus himself. But we have Jesus living in us and through us. And for, and for us to be growing in, in how we tame the tongue and control our speech, it's an issue of Christian maturity, of, of striving to become more like Jesus. Verses 3 through 5 makes one of the most significant principles in these verses. And uh, let's read this. James 3 through 5 tells us that something small gives these different illustrations of something very small having it can influence or control over something much larger. Uh, it says in verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So that's illustration one, is the, the bit in the horse's mouth. So where that small thing can actually guide the size of a horse. I, I remember Bryce, we... Um, uh, we we sometimes will talk about um, Bryce's surrogate grandparents that he had in McKeesport, Bryce and Katie. Uh, but one of the, one of the places that they loved to go was uh, would be David Bill, Eric David Bill's uncle, uh, Eric's uh, great uncle. Um, they had a farm and they had a they had a barn, a horse barn, and I can still remember Bryce being terrified. Little Bryce, it was probably about two at the time, when he was surprised when the horse came around the corner in the stall and was only a couple feet away from him. And, and he was just overwhelmed by the size. You think a child versus a full-grown horse. And to go look even smaller in that, in that size comparison to say something small that would be put in the horse's mouth can actually control something that large and something that powerful. That's the first illustration that James is giving here, is that bit in the horse's mouth can guide and direct the entire body of the horse. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So you have the bit in the horse, you have the rudder in a ship. Well, the, the ship moves because, and this is obviously describing a sail, sailboat, 
This ship is moving because of the wind and the sails, but it's being controlled and directed by the pilot with that small rudder. And then the, th the last image we, hear, we see here is how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. We hear this all the time. I mean, you, you look at the, the forest fires out west. Most of the time they can be attributed back to someone who was careless with a single campfire. It started with a single flame. That single flame can have an impact on an entire forest. This image is seen in James is just hammering this point home with illustration after illustration that the tongue, though small, can have great impact in our lives for good or for bad. It can have great impact in our lives and the lives of those around us. And in, in what we say, it has an impact for good or for bad. Even though it's one of the smallest organs within the body, our tongue has great impact. James goes on to talk about, at this point, not just the either or, the good or the bad impact, but really highlight the, the negative effects of the tongue. Verses 6 through 8, he says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members. That's talking about like our body parts, kind of like what Paul uses in Romans. Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You know, what was interesting in studying this text and these few verses is commentators really have a lot of different views on what the specific meaning of each of these phrases are in these verses. But the one consistent thing, the general gist of what James is saying is the negative effects of the tongue are great. I mean, look at some of the language. It's the idea of that it's poisonous. It's full of deadly poison. A restless evil. Our, our words, we know, can hurt. And you think, think about this for a second. Typically, uh, phrases that we grow up hearing, typically there's some truth to it. One that I remember growing up hearing often, and you guys can finish the statement, is that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words never hurt me. Is that true? No, that's like the stupidest thing. I mean, you really think about, if you think about that in your own life experience, you know that's not true. I mean, parent, if you had a kid that comes to you, one of your kids come to you, and they're hurt because of something the friend said, do you really think that's good parenting advice? Well, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I mean, I, I've had situations where I talk to my kids at times or over the years working in youth ministry that I talked to a child who was dealing with painful words that were inflicted on them that I honestly think they would have preferred to have the broken arm and the broken heart. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. False. It's, it's not true. While it may not have a physical impact on us, every one of us have experienced the emotional pain of, of having words said to us that hurt us. And, and I would say most of us have had the emotional pain of looking into the eyes of someone that you hurt with the words that you said. Our words 
can have a significant negative impact in people's lives. And, and so James is just highlighting this. It's such a small member of the body, but it has such influence and control over the whole. And, and it's such a small member of the body, but it's an impact can be devastating. It goes on in verses 9 through 10, though, to, to talk about not just, not just focusing on the negatives, but how often in people's lives you see an inconsistency. One moment they're using the tongue for something good, and in the next moment, in the same breath, they're using their tongue for something evil. Verses 9 through 10, it says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. That inconsistency that he's addressing here to say, you know, it's, it's inconsistent for one moment, lifting up your words of praise to God, and then in the next moment, using the same mouth to tear down and to attack someone who's been made in the very image of God. We have to look at our hearts and our lives, and, and that's really a lot of what James is focusing on, whether he's focusing on our works and our behavior or here in our speech. James is calling us to consistency, to integrity in our faith, a, a religion that is pure and undefiled, that, that is caring for the widow and caring. I mean, I mean all the other things that he's talking about, that's the general theme we see throughout the book of James. He wants our faith to be genuine. It's a faith that begins with us putting our faith and trust in Christ and starts on the inside. We sang from the inside out this morning that we, we begin a new work with God in our lives. When we, when we give our lives to Jesus, we surrender our lives to Jesus and invite Jesus into our hearts and our lives to lead us, to change us, to shape us. That should be having an impact in our actions and in our speech. It should be impacting every aspect of our life. That statement of, of, of one moment giving praise to God and then the next moment using the same instrument, our, our mouth, to tear down another human being. James just very clearly says, this ought not to be so. And, and I love the fact that of, in verse 9, he, high, he gives a reason why. Not only is it inconsistent, but he gives the, one of the reasons why it's inconsistent when we curse, when we tear down another person. One of the reasons he gives that it's inconsistent is because that person that you're tearing down, that person you're hurting with your words, is made in the likeness of God. You know, I, I really think as Christians today, we need to recover a greater sense and understanding of what it means to be made in God's image. And that even the person who is yet to come to faith in Jesus, even the person who you may disagree with their entire worldview, their politics, their, their, their way of life, no matter who they are and what they are, they're made in the image of God. And, and recognizing the image of God in someone's heart and in their life is recognizing the image of our Heavenly Father in them. When we tear someone down, when we destroy someone, when we're, when we're negative with our words to someone, we're not, only, not only, we're not only not honoring God, we're not showing respect for the image of God in that person's life. And we have to look in our own hearts and our own lives and ask ourselves, 
are we genuinely using our words in a way that honors God? That speaks life into the, the lives of others? I was thinking this morning as I was reflecting on this and the choices we make with our words and the choices we make, and I, again, I think it's a direct comparison because James didn't have Facebook, James didn't have Instagram, or whatever your social media of choice. But in the same way that our, our tongue is small and, and, and can have great impact, that short, simple post that we share can have great impact on, because the world is watching. The world is watching. Watching our attitudes. Our, I mean, we sang about having the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. Is that seen in everything we say? Everything we post? Something this world has forgotten is that it's possible to disagree with someone without tearing them down. It's possible to disagree with someone without name-calling, without demonizing them. And, and as Christians who are genuinely being shaped by the life of Christ in us, it not only needs to impact our behavior, it needs to be impacting and seasoning our speech, our posts. And so I want to give you a few questions. I, I Forgot to put a slide, I meant to put this up as a slide, so you're just going to have to write it down. Three questions to think about. Before, before you speak, again, you, you, can, you may think, well, I don't have time to think through these questions. So you, James has already said, be slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Take the time to think about, about what I'm about ready to say or what I'm about ready to post. One, does it honor God? Does it honor God? Two, does it show respect to others who are made in the image of God? The person you're speaking to, or are you speaking to them with words and a tone? Tone is so important. I mean, you, you realize that you can say a lot of things. How many of you ever heard, it's not what you said, it's how you said it? Yeah, I mean, we, we've all experienced that. You may be saying one thing, but your tone and your attitude may be saying something very different. And, and so look in your own heart and your own life and say, what am I going to say, does it, or what am I going to post, does it honor God? Does it too, does it show respect to others who are made in the image of God? And three, does it build up or tear down? And you could say that in a lot of different ways. Does it encourage or discourage? Does it give life or take life away from the person? Does it honor God? Does it show respect to others who are made in the image of God? Does it build up or does it tear down? I, I know I've used this quote before, but it's one of my favorite. Brennan Manning is one of my favorite writers. <laughs> and the quote that I'm about to read is, was a, were the words that inspired Toby Mack, the Christian artist, uh, to write the song, Speak Life. If you don't know Brennan Manning, you probably know, at least maybe you've heard that song, Speak Life. But, but that idea of speaking life, of how Toby interpreted Brennan's words here, I think directly relates to what we're talking about and what we say and what we post. He says this, Brennan says, in every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral exchange. We enhance human dignity or we diminish it. The success or failure of a given day is measured by the quality of our interest and compassion toward those around us. 
Let me say that again. In every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral exchange. We enhance human dignity or we diminish it. The success or failure of a given day is measured by the quality of our interest and compassion for those around us. In the coming week, let's take time to really pause, reflect. Maybe at the end of the day, take time to look back over the day and say, evaluate what you said. Was my speech seasoned in a way that was honoring to God? Was it showing respect to others? Was it building up or tearing down? Was it speaking life? Was it giving life or was it draining life? I'll tell you that if, if you start working on this in your own life, people will want to be around you. I mean, think about it for a moment. Do you want to be, have you had the experience that you're around people that just drain the life out of you? Because they're grumbling, they're complaining, they're, they're just tearing people down with their speech. Maybe even not even tearing you down with their speech, but tearing others down with their speech, and it, and it just sucks the life out of you. But when you're around with people who are, are, are using words in their life in a way that is building others up, is honoring to God, and speaking life into the situation, those are the people we want to be around. And I, and I believe if we want to have effective witness as Christians, our words need to be seasoned with this type of, of, of love and this type of life that's, that shows that in all things we want to honor God and respect others and build others up. Verses 11 through 12, final section of this verse, so it highlights something that is so significant. Because, I mean, everything we've talked about right now, you could go out and you can try harder and you can make some improvement. But this last section, these last few verses really highlight the, the Christian nature of this experience. Verse 11, it says, does the spring pour forth from the, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. A spring can't give both fresh and salt water. A fig tree is going to bear figs. An olive tree is going to bear olives. A grapevine is going to produce grapes. A salt pond can't yield fresh water. What, what we see in all those, theme, those themes and that language is what comes out, what pours out, is coming out of the very nature of what that thing is. And, and this connects to what Jesus says in Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart this defiles a person. If you're looking at your speech and examining your life and saying, you know, I don't like what I see. The most important thing you can do today is not just to go out and try harder. The most important thing today is to surrender that to Jesus. Invite Jesus into that part of your life. Give him your, give him your thought life. Give him your speech. Invite Jesus into that area of your life, repent, turn away from the word. If, if, if you know that you've been tearing other people down, you've been grumbling, you've been posting stuff that is just tearing others down rather than building people up, take the time to reflect upon what's going on in your heart. 
Because Jesus is very clear. What, what flows out of our mouth comes from the heart. And the only thing that is going to change our hearts is Jesus. More of Jesus and his spirit working in us. And so if you're here and you've never come to faith in Jesus and given your life to Jesus, the first step is to surrender your life to Jesus, accept Jesus personally as Lord and as Savior. But if you're here and you've been walking with Jesus, but you're finding this a struggle, when you're seeing things that aren't consistent, you're seeing these inconsistencies in in your speech, let that be a warning sign. Let that be like when you're looking at the car or the dashboard of your car and the the lights come on. I know some of you, the lights come on, you just ignore it. That's not really the best approach. When the light comes on, that should be a warning. When the light comes on the dashboard, that's a warning that something's wrong under the hood. If today you've been reflecting and realizing, you know, my speech does not reflect Christ well. The most important thing you can do is take time at the altar today or today, set aside time in prayer and invite Jesus to take over your words and your speech, your thought life, and, and all the things that you, you say to, your, to those close to you or those you work with. Give this area of your life to Jesus and invite Jesus to transform your heart, to live in us and through us so that our words and our actions and our life would be a reflection of Jesus to the world. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Lord, for the, the truth of your word. And Lord, I'm, I'm encouraged to know that uh, James is very clear that every one of us have stumbled with our words. Lord, we've all said things that, while we might have had those moments where we, we, we said the positive things that build up, that were honoring to you, we, we've all had those moments where we, we know that the words that came out of our mouth were not only not honoring to you, but they were hurtful to others. They didn't show respect for others who were made in your image. Lord, help us to be a people who, who speak life into this world. That in every exchange with people, that we would be intentional. Lord, to just be an encouragement in our words, that we would point people to you. Lord, we need more of you, Jesus, in our hearts and our lives. We need more of your love to control us. We invite you to do a deeper work in our hearts and our lives today so that our speech, our words, our tongue, Lord, may point people to you and be seasoned with the love of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name.